This is the Gambling Gauchos. Welcome into the Gambling Gauchos. I am Rob Bro. He is not Kyle Jacobson. It's Keith Patrick from Red Raider Dugout Dinger Derby, the podcast of the people from Texas Tech Baseball. <laughs> Oh, yes. Recording live from the Cardinals Sports Center studio. You can go find him at mycardinalssports.com. Gear up for Lubbock Matadors games that are still going on. They're back in Lubbock on the 18th. 16th? What's the next Saturday? If it's the 9th. It's the 18th. 18th. And uh, it, it'll be Ted Lasso night. Oh. You could, you could shave that beard into a pretty sweet stash. I don't know well, you want to, but I don't want to. Um, I will say, like Jason Sudeikis? I'm otherwise committed that night. I'm going to the. Did you say I look like Jason Sudeikis? <laughs> <Is anybody laughs> well, none. No, I get Zach Galifianakis a lot. Okay, that makes sense. Chubby guy with a beard. I mean, yeah. it's kind of easy. I'm otherwise committed that night. I'm going to the Hundred Black Men Gala. But I am, but in the group I'm going with, there is a guy with a fantastic mustache. So he might would rather be at the Lubbock Matadors match. Uh, Cardinal Sports Center in Lubbock and Plano. The summer sidewalk sale, that's like Christmas in July, uh, coming up soon. So pay attention for that. You ever go to the sidewalk sale? Heck yeah. Dude. And every time you don't say Plainview, I'm proud of you. I try. I try really hard. Uh, by the way, the Lubbock Matadors, also a wonderful sponsor of ours. Uh, back in Lubbock, they play the Laredo Heat tonight. So. Aptly named. Go, uh, yeah, go Matadors. They have to play at 8.30. The Matadors play at 7. They they kick off at 8.30 to really make sure the sun is out of the way. Wow. <laughs> uh, game time temperature at 8.30, like 104 probably there in Laredo. Just think how easy that road trip will be when I-27 has been completed. Yeah, all the way. Like, what, 45, 50 years? <laughs> oh, long-term man. plans. Those really are some long-term plans. All right. <laughs> yeah. They've been going on for a while. Yeah. Uh, glad they finally got that through, though. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Ports of Plains, they've done yeoman's work on that, making that happen. That's been awesome. All right, Texas Tech baseball, unfortunately, finishing at the, I wanted to say the Notre Dame Regional because it should have been. Yeah, no doubt. It was the Statesboro Regional. Um, 16th Regional for the 16th seed with the 16th umpiring crew. Uh, A rough. A rough finish for the Texas Tech offense, but a brilliant performance from the pitching. Keith, as a whole, on the season, did Texas Tech underperform, overperform, or pretty much do what they were supposed to do in 2022? Hmm. I would say slightly overperform. Um because, and everybody might remember, when this team walked into the rankings, you know, your preseason rankings all came out, it ran from like three to 24. And because I think national media just didn't know who they were. So if you weren't sitting there obsessing like a few of us do, no, you didn't know who these dudes were. And some of them had been role players over the years. 
Kendall Rogers went on the D1 baseball podcast after Arlington and kind of ragged on the team saying like they look bad and a dude that hit 230 at AM is their is their cleanup hitter, you know? Yeah. And, and at the beginning that made sense. And Ty Coleman ended up having a pretty nice season, you know. But um I think that starting off, you just didn't know who they were. They didn't quite know who they were. Uh, they found a pretty good stride and then they hit some struggles. Um, you had some injuries, you had some some guys that you needed to step up from a pitching standpoint, and boy, did they in the regional. Um, but yeah, I think when you look at like level of dudes, you know, you go watch Tennessee or even Texas, to be totally honest with you, like you had some big wins, you know, sweep in Stillwater, the win over the series win over Texas was huge. Um this regional performance going down early and then battling your way to the, to the final series is pretty good too, to the regional final. I mean, um, yeah, I think they slightly overperformed and, and that sounds weird because perspective gets skewed. Right. And we're like, we're not in Omaha. So they underperformed. Well, every team's different every year. And this team lost like 20 guys last year. And 10 the year before. Now they generally have been losing 10 every year since they got into like the 2016 year. Yeah, where you start having ten in the draft every year, but ten in the draft, ten in the portal, a huge jump, and that's after COVID. Mm-hmm. And then you have the twenty twenty one season that really felt like a letdown when you're in the super hosting a super and a national seed, lose to Stanford in two games, then you kind of have. Well, let's just be honest. <laughs> yeah. But this year, if you went back and looked at the beginning of the season, I mean, it's like, all right, Birdsell we think is going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. He turned – and I, don't forget, he turned down the draft to come back. Yeah. I mean, well, in, in a legit spot. He made the right decision. What's that? He made the right decision, too. I agree. He'll be a top 100 guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did not know what to expect from Andrew Morris. No. You hoped he was your new Patrick Monteverdi, but you didn't know. Uh Mason Molina, I thought Chase Hampton would play a huge role after how he finished last year. Yeah. He didn't until the very end. And rocked. Uh, But you just look at this lineup and you say, well, why didn't Kurt Wilson start the first four years he was here for a whole season? Kurt Wilson started at shortstop to begin the season last year. And then was not he got immediately replaced. He did. And that was a sickness thing, I think, too. Maybe so. And then you had Easton Morrell. Why had Easton Morrell not started every day and been an everyday player for four years? Because you had Drew Baker in the corner outfield. Exactly. You know? So as good as those two guys were and probably your two best hitters this year, I think that speaks to how this team wasn't as talented as the years past because those guys did finally wait around and get their shot. And yeah. look, that's not, that's not saying anything negative toward those two guys. They had a really good year, and I'm really glad they stayed around because this team would have been much worse without them. But it also is just like, okay, this team was kind of a gap year to where you're trying to get back to how talented you were for a few years. Well, and you know the last time you – I'm not going to disagree. I, I, I First of all, I think that Kurt Wilson's a guy – and, and Tim Tadlock's pretty open about this. Kurt Wilson wanted to pitch. And so Kurt Wilson was deciding to be a bullpen pitcher until he said, hey, you know what? I want to go to the field. That's where I'm going to get to do something. Right. And so, And we saw what happened, you know. And also, Kurt Wilson's the kind of guy, like, where do you put him? He can play pretty much everything, and he has. And yeah. so 
it's one of those deals you weren't going to replace Cal Conley for him. You weren't going to play replace Josh Young for him, although he could do those things. You know, he's not better at Park than Parker Kelly at third. So like he kind of needed a spot to open because he's really good. He's very athletic. He's multifaceted, but he's not a draft prospect, probably. You know, um, and so yeah, you kind of he's kind of had to wait around. He waited his turn. He's had some of the biggest moments in the last ten years in tech baseball, which is cool. He's a guy you will never forget. He'll be a legend. Oh. Yes. Already is. And he's got a great personality, so he can live that legend. I'm not saying, like, he's not going to do anything in his life, but, I mean, like, he can enjoy that, you know? Um, But, and then Easton Morrell, like, I like Easton Morrell. He plays mad. Like, he just plays intense. Um, He's focused. You know, he's fired up. And, uh, you know, you've seen some big things out of him. You saw a big big home run in 19 against his former team. Um, But a guy that kind of battling through dudes in front of him. I mean, Drew Baker just immediately moved up to high A in, in pro ball because he was hitting like 360, you know, and they, they needed they needed to, to face some more difficult competition. Yeah. So, but all that to say, comparatively, the last time you had a gap year was 2015 and you didn't make the postseason. And so, and, and we were just talking about this. I was talking about this at lunch with somebody yesterday. You didn't know who Texas Tech was after 14. And then you don't make the postseason. What's going on? Like, was that a thing? Did 14 just kind of flat? Was it the Mavericks winning a championship? Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go to you go to Tallahassee and split a series with Florida State in 16. And it's like, oh, maybe there's some dudes here, you know. And now your gap year is, well, we're not hosting our own regional, you know. Like, that's your gap. And so I think that the seal, the, the, the floor continues to rise uh, for the team. But, yeah, I mean, and this is no knock on these guys because I love them, and I think that they did a great job this year. 100%. No, they are not just – I mean, there are those, but they are not just a team of elite athletes. You know, I think that they're a team of scrappy dudes that played really hard, and and we're a good team together, but not an elite team. Yeah, and it's it's hard to reconcile that sometimes, especially as a fan. Yeah, uh, because elite is sometimes good in conversations. Well, there are elite teams, and there's a bunch of good teams. You were a final 32 team because you were in the regional championship series. Yep. So you were one of the 32 best teams in college baseball this year out of 300. Yeah. That's a pretty good percentage-wise. And a couple plays go differently. You're forcing another game with Notre Dame and who knows what happens without their ace. A couple plays go differently or an umpire makes a different decision and you're the big 12 champion. Okay. So this is the gap here. (laughs) Now go back to that TCU series because I never got a baseball expert opinion here. What the hell happened with that ball call on Friday night? Because if it's not reviewable, how did they overturn it on the field? I saw you keep asking that. I, I got to remember back to the conversations because Sneed was fired up about that one. Um, them changing their decision on the field is not a review. Not reviewable is supposed to be the video review. The I guess but it just that seems like semantics to me. I'm with you. I, I don't. I think he balked. Like I don't think there's a. To me, there wasn't a question. And if it, if it wasn't a balk, I don't know how you break it down enough to change it. You know, especially without looking at it. 
in uh, that moment, and you're not allowed to look at it. But they did what they're supposed to do. You know, his view was blocked. He goes to his second base guy. He's, I mean, he makes the call. Like, I love Tadlock standing up for him. I thought it was, I thought it was ridiculous. It's not a guaranteed win, but it definitely changes the situation. Yeah, um, you lost watch those this year. Do what? You lost the next two, anyways. Yeah, no, I don't which, which are, which are <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's the thing. If you had won one game in that series, yeah, you know, that's that's what hurt. Or one game, or, you know, or, or the final series. But all that to say, to you've only lost in a regional one other time. It was 2017, and I know you said it. Probably your most talented team. There's two things that happen. You lose your stud starting uh, second baseman at the end of the, it's going into the postseason. doesn't get to play. Michael Davis didn't play. So that's not great. And then you lose to a 60 mile an hour junk baller that throws 280 pitches that weekend. Who was like five, eight. Yes. With the nastiest, like, like golden beard, whatever that was, it's like tentacles on his face. So, but Hey, they won like tip of the cap, but you won a big 12 championship that year. So like 17 is hard to call a failure. You didn't get out of the regional. You were in a regional hosting and you won the Big 12 championship. You didn't get that cushion this year and you had your shot. And what I said to some friends the other day, what hurts me, like what feels bad about all this is April Texas Tech would have won that regional or would have won the series against OU. And May Texas Tech didn't, you know, in June. It's like you felt like you were there and then you weren't. Ran out of steam a little bit. It seemed like it. Like maybe you peaked a little early, you know, and you lose Parrish. And and you never get Girton back. And, you know, just thing after thing. Let me ask you this. Did Texas Tech also peak maybe, I don't want to say mentally, but I'm going to say mentally, after the Texas series when they got put at four universally and they're a top five team. Do you think maybe they ate the cheese a little bit <laughs> uh, using a Bill Par- Parcells phrase and kind of yeah. maybe got ahead of themselves and thought – because then you start losing midweeks. Uh, you drop the series at Grand Canyon. The TCU series happens. There's just like a bunch of stuff right after that. And you're like, well, I mean, are they good? Yeah. <laughs> and then they were top ten through it all. They were. And Kendall. Um, so yeah, you go after that series and of course you get run ruled by Texas on Sunday. So right. you have a bad, and I walked out of my house that morning and told my wife, she's like, it's cause it's going to be another crazy one. And I said, no, somebody's getting blown out today. Yeah. You just don't have two games like that and no. then do it again. You know, um, you curb stomp Stephen F. Austin for two games and then really you curb stomp Kansas for two games and then give up Sunday. And that's where really you're like, well, you know, what just happened? Yeah. And then Grand Canyon. Now, one thing I will point out, and it's probably a little bit overlooked, second game of Grand Canyon, <clears throat> you lose Easton Morrell, and you lost him for a few games. And he was in and out more than I think we're, we remember. Right. And that was big, you know? And you were also trying to figure out center field. You know, but yeah, going on a five-game skid is not what you're used to. And getting swept in a Big 12 series is not what you're used to. And losing to New Mexico, like there was a lot of ugly you know, kind of in that little stretch, April 12th to through April 19th, you know, and get a little ride against West Virginia, lose to Abilene Christian at home, you know, I mean, and then from then on, other than the Oklahoma loss, like it was good. And then you have a high again, you sweep Oklahoma State there, you love it, shove it right down the holiday's throat. You know, they act like they invented baseball. Yeah. And so 
at the end of the day, I mean, like in the moment, it felt awful or great, you know, or awful and then good. And you're like, oh, but when's the other shoe going to drop? You know, right. and you go look back on it. You're like, this season's not so bad. They had a little five game skid, but it's baseball. Like, you know, it's it doesn't tell the story of how it felt in the in the moment. I'm Will not looking for excuses. Baseball? I'm not looking for excuses or to give you a that's the way baseball go, you know, but I think that. That, I mean, that's part of the beauty of baseball. You can't always put your finger on what the hell happened, you know, or what, who was missing. And I'm, speaking of missing, I don't think we can ignore that Ray Hayward wasn't there most of the, after the DBU series or the first DBU game. You know, two questions here. Uh, we'll start with Ray Hayward because you just brought him up. Sure. Um, somebody asked me. And I just am not inside the program enough to give a qualified answer here, but I'm trying to remember who they compared Ray Hayward with in the building. I can tell you who I compare him with. Go ahead. Larry Hayes. Well. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm serious. Oh, yeah. He's a relationship dude. Yeah, absolutely. He's He's the coach that you leave high school and you always stay in touch with or want to be in touch with. You good? Yeah, I, okay. Oh, here it is. Is This is the question that was uh, pushed to me earlier in the year. Uh, they said, is Ray Hayward the Adams equivalent in baseball? Something seems amiss. So, like, Adams, the five-year shadow head coach, right, yeah. for Chris Beard. I think Ray Hayward is the, is the heart of the team kind of thing. I think he's Tommy McVay. That's think, with With world-class – baseball knowledge and experience you know what i mean like i think he brings a wealth of knowledge a wealth of understanding a well like a ton of contacts um and just life perspective to those dudes and he's he's steady tim talek always describes him as steady and i think that if there's anything that was missing it's not the coaching side like the what's the right word i hate when people say x's and o's for baseball because that doesn't make any sense but um it's the it's the the steadying, the, the, we're going to ride through it together. You know, when, when guys like Cole Stilwell and Jace Young talk about going up to bat and looking up at a former pitching coach in the stands, you know, and like they have all those experiences with them and relationship to, I mean, I'll tell you, there's a, I'm not gonna tell you who, but there's a guy that asked me a player, current player, senior, he said, asking how he was and like how long until he gets a heart, how does that work? You know, and was choking up. You know, just asking, which I don't know. I I mean, other than watching Grey's Anatomy, like I don't know how that works. This was before he got his before he got his transplant. Right. That's how much they care. And so I don't think you can ignore that missing piece in the in the program and in the role he plays, um, and the experience and all that. And also the other side of just dealing with not knowing what's gonna happen to him. And then tie on top of that, that Cody Masters almost died. You know? And like and that kind of went I mean, people acknowledge it, but it kind of went under the radar. Like, that dude was in the hospital very sick. I don't know that people know exactly what he went through. So Cody had, and I think it's been reported, he had meningitis. Right. And so, and and it was bad. I mean, he was in the hospital for multiple weeks, uh, lost a ton of weight. And and Tim Tadlock said that after he did get to come in and and pinch hit in a game. I forgot when it was. Um, He said, if you told me, yeah, like, if you, yeah. He's like, you told me six weeks ago he was going to be doing this. I've said, no way, you know, and Cody told him that, that he'd be back this year. And he was. So I, I think that 
that said a lot about him. And I, I hope he doesn't have a bunch of lingering, you know, issues. I don't know much about that, but um, I know he hung around and he, and he gutted through and, and he got healthy and all that. And there's just a whole other level of just mental stress that comes with all that stuff. You know, it wasn't a year where you're just all dialed in and rolling together. You know, you've got all these other things and they're serious. Does it almost feel like this year, last year and 2020 were all one long year? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little also, it's like, like the Jace Young era. Yeah. Like you're kind of just trying to, I don't know. Because obviously there was a break and you had a new season, lots of new players on this team. Yeah. But it also just felt like for some players, for Birdsell, for Young, kind of the culmination of last year. So I, I don't know. It just seems like maybe you'll get a fresh start next year. As long as we waited for baseball to come back after 20, yeah, I do kind of still agree with you. You know, I mean, we're waiting almost an entire year to get baseball but then you come in and you're like, it feels like a continuation of the previous season minus, yes. you know, X, Y, and Z guy. Right. Yeah, I could see that. Okay. Well. It's like a monkey you're still kind of dealing yeah. with, you know. <laughs> like, not having guys come back. Uh, let's go through the draft real quick. Okay. Um, Young's getting drafted, yeah. Yeah. Top 10. I don't okay. see I don't see any reason why not. And I just want to be honest, too. For sure. Do what? Top 15, which I've seen him to the Tigers a lot at like 12. I see. I mean, MLB has him at uh, eight to to um, to who? They have him at eight. <laughs> I, uh, I see the Tigers, the Rockies, the Rockies at eight, maybe. Well, they don't project that. Colorado. On the MLB prospect rankings, they don't project the. I'm not looking at a draft projection. Oh, they just have him at eight. Yeah, just have him at number eight. Yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. But I mean, he scores out well. He's got a great, great uh, swing when he's healthy. He's a lefty righty, which is cool. I mean, and, and something a little different. Um, but at the end of the day, the dude has more raw power than his brother. Um, when he's healthy, he can run fine. Not great, but fine, but kind of like yeah. Josh. Um, and Josh said that before Jace came when he was still in high school. Like, hey, my brother can hit it further than me. Like, the kid the kid can rate. Um, but I think anybody that's watched has noticed Jace has run heavy this year. I mean, he's kind of been dragging a leg around. I don't know any particulars about it. Um, but whatever it is, he deserves the credit for the fact that he gutted through it and kept the season rolling, you know. But I think healthy. it affected him at the plate a little bit. Yeah, it did not look healthy the last month. No. Yeah, just running Well, and just think about – you know, home run here and there. When's the last time we saw him spraying to all fields? Yeah. You know, and so I think when he got when he got on his horse and had to go, I think that there was probably at the very least some discomfort or pain associated with that. Uh, but I think he just had has a little. I don't want to say like mobility issue because I think he's still draftable and he's gonna be healthy. But you can't get healthy in the middle of the season without stopping right. playing. So I think that's what it was. Um. All right, beyond that, Birdsell. Yeah. MLB's got him as a top 100 guy. He's at 98. I think he might go a little up up from that, but I think, yeah, he's – I mean, he turned him down last year. He was he went in the 11th last year to Minnesota, and I think he'll do – I mean, I'd be surprised to see him anywhere near that this year with what the he The mechanics does. of the draft, they're 20 rounds now? Yep. Okay. 
And I think I heard somebody say something like, it's 20 rounds this year. Like, no, it's 20 rounds now. This is, yeah. this is it. You know, this is where it we are. 40. Yes. And then it was five for a year. Did, did, they, they, do do, did they do or five or 10? I think they did 10. Maybe it's 10 and then they went back to 20. It's kind of a compromise. Yes. And I think 20 is okay. And a lot of that is starting to treat college baseball as another, you know, minor league type opportunity. And well, it's also start- cutting minor leagues teams. Do what? They also cut minor league teams. Yeah, for sure. And I think that they got, they've also, and, and we saw this pre COVID, started getting to the point where about half of the players drafted were coming out of college. And they started to realize, I think there's some value there, which has been a struggle over the years. So, yeah. All right. Who else? Morris? Morris draft eligible? Yes. I believe he's draft eligible. Yes. I, I don't know. Cool. If he came back for another year, that would be great. Um, he's not in a. He's not in the MLB top two hundred. Um, he is <clears throat> eligible, to my knowledge. I'll double check that. Um, well, he's a junior, so yeah. I was just checking his. Well, I don't know where COVID falls in that. Um, True. Not that it matters, but yeah, yeah he had he did two years <clears throat> at uh, Colorado Mesa, just straight up. So. He's eligible. I think he had a good year. I mean, I think there's plenty of positive there. They may like to see another year on him. Um, but he's got to think about – I heard somebody – well, I'll just call him out. Spencer and Michael were talking on 23 personnel. <laughs> and they were like, like maybe Bertzel, but I hope he comes back. I'm like, that dude's not coming back. There's no reason. And these guys have to think about leverage. you know. And if you have the chance to go back, you have the leverage. If you go become a senior, it's over. You know, they have all the leverage. They can just say, well, if you want to come, we'll give you 20K, and that's it. You know, so, which is all an undrafted free agent can get anymore. So, uh, do you want to put odds on Morris? Is that like oh, yeah. 55, 45? Yeah, this is the gambling gauchos. Because I would lean toward him leaving, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised if he returned. Seemingly had a, a good time here in the town. Oh, yeah? City, whatever it is. You have some info there? Is that what you're... No, I just meant like, he seemed like he enjoyed himself. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd go, I'd go, uh, I'd go 60-40. Ooh, 60-40 leaving? Okay. Yeah, yeah, 60-40 leaving. And and I don't, I don't think there's a, I don't have any feel on these, any guys for, for, transfer portal kind of stuff. I see no reason for him to try to do anything like that. Um, I, I, I would not expect him there to be any benefit in him just going undrafted and signing unless he got some reasonable money. Um, gotcha. But if he got drafted, I think it's real possible. It just depends on the. I mean, money has to be a part of it. Just right. So focused on Texas tech uh, moving forward here, catcher returning Hudson white. Yep. Freshman of the year. First base, Stillwell? <clears throat> I don't know where Stillwell fits exactly. I, I don't think he's drafted. Um, cool thing about Stillwell coming back in, I mean, he'll probably be at or near the top of the country in, in at-bats, in college at-bats. I mean, he will have seen a lot of pitches. Um, I think he's better at first than at catch, and I think that he was uh, did a really good job becoming a good first baseman this year. Yes. Um so, 
I don't know. I, I would I would think that there's more likelihood that he's a full-time first baseman and Huddy is swapping out with somebody else than than doing it this way. Because White wasn't as good at first base as he was behind the plate, you know, and, and hadn't had the time to, to work into it yet either, but yeah. All right, Kurt Wilson out of eligibility yep. uh, at shortstop. Uh, pro career pursuit or – I think he'll try. He'd be dumb not to. He's a great athlete. Right. You know, and you go out and you get in the right situation and, and there's some opportunity, you know, and hell, maybe somebody wants him to pitch again. I mean, it's, he came yeah. in throwing 96 when he came to tech. So um, who knows, you know, but I think that, that he has opportunity if he wants to, to go pursue, you know, is he a, is he a next year big leaguer? No, you know, but he has his chances just like, any, like a lot of them do. Parker Kelly, also out of eligibility. Yeah. Same. Is the draft a plus plus defense? I don't think so. You can you can draft a center fielder that can run like the wind and doesn't have great offense. I don't know that you can do that with your third baseman. Um now you know what he can get going. Like right. I mean, I think he again, like Kurt, um if you can get in the you can get in the minors and get rolling, like you have your chance, you know, and you get around some some dedicated hitting coaches and some of that stuff. Like I love Parker Kelly. I think he's a great dude. Um, both of those guys, cause they've been roommates forever and they're like two peas in a pod, you know? Um, I think that he is incredible defensively. I mean, just plus plus he's a really good athlete too. I'd put him a tick below Kurt, but still a really good athlete. Um, faster than you think, you know, but no, I don't think he's a draft. Guy. Do what? Sneaky fast. <laughs> Gritty. I think he's sneaky fast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's not Cody Masters. No, no, no. Uh, all right, Easton Morell, also same story. Um, borderline professional prospect. Good defensively. Has pop. I mean, I think that there's that, that he's in a Kurt Wilson type scenario yeah. too. I think that they're comparable. You know. I'm going to skip Dylan Carter. Well, he's a sophomore. I want to talk more about him. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Owen Washburn, obviously, uh, started every day. Yep. Workman-like approach at the plate. Uh, I thought he got pretty damn good for a couple of weeks there in Big 12 play and then maybe didn't finish as strong as he wanted to. At the plate? Yep. I think that if I were him, I would be pissed that I didn't get any any – Big 12. I mean, I think he, I mean, I didn't get any awards. All freshman team. He got all freshman team, but I'd be yeah. pissed. I didn't get any looks because I thought he was pretty stinking good for a freshman. Uh, I'll be curious to see in the fall if they work him in anywhere else, if they want him as a corner outfielder or right fielder, or if they want him potentially uh, moving into the infield. I'd be curious to see that. Okay. What, what would that look like? Uh, like uh, second base, third base? I don't know. I'm pulling up my spreadsheet right now to try I, I'm sure he played shortstop in high school. They all did. Yeah. <laughs> recruits shortstops. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I could, I don't know. I mean, I would think left side. I mean, if there's a third base opportunity for him, I have no idea. Right. I'm not a coach. And we'll talk about that. Uh, when we get to all right. So Dylan Carter, um, Oh, I know what I wanted to mention real quick. We talked about Hudson White. Um, 
don't forget that you got a guy and he was a fall transfer, so he didn't get to play. His name's Kevin Bazell. He was a DBU commit that then came to Tech. Rockwall Heath guy, so still well connected. Uh, he's a catcher, 6'1", 205. And uh, he was a nine and a half perfect game grade coming out of high school. Um, did not get to play in the spring, but we saw him in scrimmages, and that dude can flat out play. And so that I'm excited about to see where he fits, how much he and Huddy can. I mean, you may really see a true swap back and forth DH catcher kind of thing, and they're just alternating, and you got fresh legs all year. Oh, DH too, Ty Coleman. He, he can return, right? Ty Coleman can return, yep. Um, Ty Coleman has history as a, as a position player and had a shoulder injury. And I wonder where he's going to be with that. If there's going to be an intent to rehab and, and try to get a position, um, you know, I think he has a, I think he has history with third base. So I'm just wondering if that's something that he spends his summer working towards. So Hudson white in the lineup next year, Owen Washburn in the lineup next year. Stillwell, you're pretty locked in that he's back, 85% back? I think he's back, and I think it's unusual for a, a starter to just go sit the ride the pine the next year. Um, but you got a lot of dudes to compete with. And so, uh, and, and I have, and I, there's, I'm not the only one. I have a feeling that your class is, is up. I mean, you've got a lot of highly ranked guys coming in uh, that I'm excited about. And, and it's a position heavy class. Uh, to some extent, at least the JUCO is. You can so. look at the class and obviously see that Tim Tadlock felt they needed a boost. Yeah, they're because right. you, you don't recruit this class if you don't think a bunch of them are about to play. Yeah, I agree. I think that you need a bunch of lake ready guys, as he likes to say. Which brings us to Dylan Carter. <laughs> I and look, Dylan Carter, above average fielder. Hundred, yeah, absolutely. Saved a lot of runs in the field. Played injured well, a lot of the year. I think if you asked Dylan Carter, if he had a good year at the plate, he would be honest with you and say no. Sure. No, I think that hundred. I think he expects more of himself because his freshman year he did. Yes. Is he a guy that sticks around and finds it like Parker Kelly did? Because Parker Kelly looked lost at the plate for most of his career was incredible for like a month and a half in 2020 and then kind of found himself this year for a large chunk. Can Dylan Carter do that? Or is he a guy that's maybe playing somewhere else next year? I don't know. Cause you're basically saying Dylan Carter is Max Marshock. Yes. Um, and I think that we never saw Max Marshock hit anything or yeah. a breaking ball. And he was a starting center fielder for Louisiana this year. And he had a he had a good season, a reasonably good season. Two yeah. two sixty, two seventy, you know, started all a lot of the year. <clears throat> um, we saw Dylan Carter rake as a freshman in twenty. Remember, Dylan Carter was a freshman in twenty. He had a, he was having a great season. I think he had back to back home runs at one point in a in a game. Yeah, and then Dylan Carter got he got his shoulder hurt, and he didn't enter the twenty one season until April. And we haven't seen him the same since. Um, so I question the shoulder health. Uh, I know he tweaked it at some point this season because he was in and out some. And I don't think that was defensive. Or I don't think that was just offensive. 
Um, and we saw him wearing the thing. Like you can see it hanging out of his sleeve. You know, he has, a, right. he has this brace on. Um, and I think that some of the pain that we saw, like laying out for a catch in the in the regional was, was part of that. You know, I think there's some of that that's coming with it. So that's a, my big question. Is he healthy? Um, he's not, he was going to go to the Cape this summer. I don't believe he is now. Um, that's the Cape Cod league. Right. So I don't know, Rob. I mean, he's got to make the best decision for him. I think just to be totally honest, that dude's red ass and Texas tech is a great place for him. I mean, he just fits, you know? Yeah. Um, would it could uh, be that he, that he could play a corner outfield spot or somewhere else? Could be. Yeah. But defensively. I mean, you've got a couple of guys in the recruiting class that are pretty elite, you know, and especially in those outfield spots. So, um, and to be totally honest, and we said this, some of us coming into the season, looking in the fall, like you just can't afford to have a hole in your lineup, you know, and you kind of did. And I mean, he doesn't want to hit 200 or 175. Like, obviously not. Right. Um, he wasn't trying to. No, but he struggled, you know, and, and he and he didn't really break out of it a whole lot. And so, yeah, I think he has to look at what's best for him. And it, and, and I think those coaches have those relationships to have those honest conversations too. Uh, but it may be a thing where – because, I mean, Levi Wells did it this year. Uh, Max Marshock did it. Rombach. I mean, you kind of look through the list, and some guys have had success at the places they've gone. That doesn't mean that they couldn't have had success here, but you got to look at who's in front of you and see if you're ever going to get to play. Right, Tanner was having a great year at uh, Arizona. Had a great year. He did. He had, a good year. he had a pretty good year last year too. And I think that I think that I'm just sitting here thinking about the comp. Like, what's the comp for a Parker Kelly, Kurt Wilson, Easton Morrell transferred in, but still, you know, like it's kind of it's kind of BJ Sunny. Yeah, Sunny Cumbie. Yeah, that's what it's kind of BJ Sunny and Cody Hodges. Like, yeah. you don't see that. You're never going to see that again. You know, those three guys hang and do that. And you probably you may not ever see this again in this era, you know, because of COVID and super seniors and all that stuff, and some dudes that just wanted to be where they are and got their shot. And and Kurt Wilson built two more giant moments onto a resume full of big moments, you know. I'm certainly not trying to run Dylan Carter out of town. No, I know. Uh, I went I went and looked at that's through 18 games, 16 starts, he hit 280 as a freshman, true freshman. Yeah. Um. I think he was playing left field then. Yeah. Because Noisy was in center. Yes. And then uh, 21 last year started 31 games, hit 207. He came in, and that's when he came in in April. He hit right at 200. Yeah, last year he came in in April. Right. So kind of one of those hasn't been the same kind of situations. So, yeah. I'll tell you what is the same. Rajinho Barbecue. If you, if you want to go get some top 50 barbecue, you can. They're in Alton, Texas. They're also running a truck all over West Texas. Look up where they are. Rajinho Barbecue. RajinhoBBQ.com. You can order online. Order the day of before 9 a.m. and go and pick it up. You go straight to the pickup window and grab your order. They have the menu there on the website. It's all delicious. Uh, the brisket, top of the line, the jalapeno cheddar sausage. You can also get whole pork butts. You can never go wrong with a whole pork butt. That's Top 50 Barbecue at Rajinho. Barbecue, RajinhoBBQ.com. 
All right, looking at the recruiting class, do you have like uh, maybe five guys that you want to spotlight or, or just two or three maybe that you can go through that maybe be maybe that might be instant impact guys, and then we'll get to maybe some pitching staff? Yes. So um, first I'm going to go with Gage Harrelson. So I think I did some tweeting about this guy when he signed. Um, he's a 10 grade on perfect game. Um, there's we got two of those in this class right now. Uh, he's out of Kathleen, Georgia. And uh, this is a dude that I know the coaches are really high on. Um, great cultural fit for Texas Tech. Like his family will love it. Great people. You know, J-Bob went out there and played cornhole with him and his uncles, you know, for an evening in the backyard. Did, yeah. yeah, you know, like just that kind of thing. Um, incredible player. Got to get him on campus, you know. And so really hope that Gage Harrelson comes. Outfielder, left-handed pitcher, has played, I think, some first base. Lefty, lefty, 6'3", 175. Like just a dude. Um, I think he he could be really special. Could absolutely be extremely special. Um, so got to get him here. That's a big one. Uh, there's another one named Jarrett Curtis that I'll mention. He's a nine grade at a Tomball Memorial in Cyprus, uh, six foot one sixty five guy, center fielder, kind of straight up. I retweeted him the other day because he gunned a dude down from the outfield to win the state championship at the plate. I mean, the put out was. I mean, it wasn't like MLB. You know, like he's a high school kid, but it was pretty clutch. You know, so. Uh, that's another one. As much as you're talking about Dylan Carter, I wonder, is Gage Harrelson or Jarrett Curtis a guy you're going to see out there more, you know, depending on bats? And you said got to get him to campus. So obviously they might be those guys. Uh, that, that is something that happens, and that's the risk of recruiting elite talent. If you recruit a bunch of first-round players, like, okay, cool, you can recruit well, but they're not coming. So Brandon Burtzel is number 98 on the MLB top 200 prospects. Jarrett Curtis is 133. So, okay. yeah. and I'll tell you, like, there's a, there's a line to walk with this stuff. And as much as I want to be like, pretend I'm a big Jay journo and cover this team, I want to walk that line too. Cause the more you put out about these dudes, the more MLB teams start to pick up on them. Like, I think you real like this coaching staff realized a long time ago, I'm not going to go to X place and watch a bunch of, you know, like a 16U tournament and tell any of these scouts who I'm after because they're yes. going to go after them. You know, like you're in straight competition with professional baseball. Does – all right, so we talked to Cody Campbell. You could follow us on uh, Patreon to get that interview. Uh, talk to Cody Campbell about the Matterhorn Club, and the baseball team is in this. So every baseball player is going to get a check cut from the Matterhorn Club. For doing their community I, service? Our yes, for their community okay. service. Yes. Okay. And I I do not know the dollar figure for the baseball team. But what we do know is the draft slot, right? So what round do you have to compete with to be kind of 50-50 on NIL just from the matter or club check? Are you asking me? It, I don't know to check it. No, I'm not asking really. I just have <laughs> rhetorical because I, neither of us know. Yeah, I don't know. 50? I mean, could you get to the 15th round and say, hey, we can compete with that number? Yeah. But if the guy goes in the eighth, I just don't think you have that. Well, I mean, remember Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes out of high school 
was a draft prospect. Right. And really the decision maker for him to come to Texas Tech was if he was going to break the million dollar threshold in the draft. And right. I think he was in the high eights, you know, and just and chose to come to Tech. Worked out okay, you know. Yes. Um, every guy is going to be different, you know, and every and I mean, I think those things, other things still matter. Hey, I can go develop physically in an elite D1 program. And I'm going to be four year, three years closer to the pros than I would be otherwise, making eight grand a year traveling, and plus now also get paid. So I think it's like gravy on top of the the other positives of high school. And there's some that are just going to be straight dollars. I also would argue that I don't think these dudes are going after a lot that are only straight dollar guys, unless they're in the portal. Um, so that's a question too. You want to talk about the portal? You like that segue? Yeah, I'm going to go do a luau for a second. <laughs> yeah, Mal well, Luna. I wonder. Well, let's, let's talk about – let's do that first because we're still on the hitting the hitting aspect. I know, so we, not, this, we can talk about more recruits too if you guys if you want to at some point. We have this uh, recruiting class coming in. Mal Yahuna, Tommy Tanks, NC State, Kansas. Uh, not respectively, obviously. I just switched those around. Kansas, NC State, respectively. And, and to compare, Tommy Tanks just set the freshman home run record for the NCAA. Yeah. Yeah. And, and his like, team did not make the postseason. And it was a snub. Like Ivan Melendez type power. Yeah. Potentially. And, and Tommy Tanks. TT. Yeah. Match made in heaven. Uh, are you in on either of those guys? Do you know? Obviously, they're obviously you're in on them as far as like you would offer. <laughs> right. They're good. Like oh, they're legit. You have space for them. Now if they were, was legit yeah. when we played them. Yeah. Do you, do you, is this a coaching staff that's going to go after big time recruits? Yes. Or not recruits, but transfers. Yes. Okay. I mean, I think that we've seen the arms. Yeah. Yeah. But we've not seen him go after a starter, like a, like a ready starter, just hit 375 transfer type. Yeah. Like a, the huge net, like these guys are huge name. But I mean, how many of those have you seen transfer in the past? True. It's kind of a new era. Yeah. I mean, when have you seen a Golden Spikes candidate kind of guy jump in the transfer portal just because? They're not. I'm sure they're demanding 200000 plus from NIL, of NIL money. but And I don't know how that world works. And I don't – it kind of freaks me out, to be honest, because I don't want to get slapped in three years with some sort of sanction. But um, – Banners fly forever. <laughs> <laughs> Tell Reggie Bush that. Hey. <laughs> no, I. Uh, my point is, I do feel confident in saying, and I, I'm focusing on J. Bob because he's a recruiting coordinator. He's a dude that swings at the top, you know, and wants to build a relationship that gets you to make that decision. Now you're not going to go get um, a couple of years ago. What's his name that went two overall? Texas high school kid. Dad was a big leaguer. Uh, Witt. Yeah, Bobby, Bobby Witt. Witt. We're going to get Bobby Witt to come to campus. He's going to make. Right. He's going to go get drafted and make six, seven million bucks. Right. He's already in. He's already in pro ball. But I think J. Bob can build those types of relationships and swing for that kind of a guy. I also do think, and this, this, and what I wrote this week, I meant it about this program. Relationships matter to them. It ma- families matter. Kids matter. I think that they will take a me guy if it's going to help that team win occasionally. Uh, but generally, they know the value of team. And so I think that they're looking at cultural fits in the program. They're looking at, you know, dudes that are going to gel with the coaches and with each other and, and 
I mean, look at the years that they've kind of been clickish or haven't quite meshed as a team. You can see it from the stands. You can kind of feel it around the program, and it's not the best years, you know? And right. so I think that, yes, like I would be shocked if they haven't had serious conversations with both those guys, maybe for a while, you know? Like I don't know how that works either, but everybody does it, I'm sure. You know, hey, I'll tell you or, what. Or, you know, Kansas, like, you're playing Kansas, and Jace is and Jace is about to go slap a double. Be like, hey, go tell that guy that uh, yeah. I'd like to I'd like to take him to lunch. You know? Oh, in the handshake line, you're hugging Maui Ahuna a little bit longer, saying, "Hey, man, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of cold in Lawrence." Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so you, you know, I'm not. We're not tampering, obviously. But. Nobody's nobody's breaking rules. I'm just saying. They've got. They've at least been in the conversation. I cannot imagine that they would ignore those kind of dudes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it seems like potentially losing five starters out of the lineup, four probably return. Uh, Stillwell and Coleman may or may not be everyday starters next year. Who knows? It's just kind of the nature of the game. I would assume Stillwell is, is if he's here. I think so. At least to start the season, somebody's going to yeah. have to somebody's going to have to play hard to knock Stillwell out. Yeah. Pitching, it seems like at least looking down the roster, you might be returning. Obviously, not everyone because Bertzel and Morris are gone. Uh, Clark, I think, is another reliever who is just kind of a hired gun this year and didn't pitch much. Colin Clark, yeah, and he's done. Uh, oh, but as far as the roster goes, there's not many more guys that contributed this year that are out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Colin Clark would, I think that, and I've said this before, I think that they had some dudes coming in. They wanted to be Lake ready and they weren't, you know, or they, or something happened. Yeah. Um, I want to give props to Garrett Crowley for coming back on and pitching late this season. He was a transfer from Fordham. And to be totally honest, I think Garrett Crowley got the yips early in the season and he battled his way through that and came back and contributed late. And I think that says a lot. Um, I think Brendan Lysick was another one they expected and he got hurt. And so, you know, there you are. Uh, Molina was another one. And then, um, I think that Colin Clark was a hope and, and you didn't get to see him a whole lot. I'm forgetting, um, where Clark came from. He's an Ohio guy. Yeah. He was another Youngstown, transfer. Youngstown state yeah, Youngstown State, or Youngstown college, whatever. But, um, yeah, you didn't see a lot of him. There's another guy named Brandon Pettix that uh, is in the transfer portal, at least as reported by D1 Baseball, um, and a guy named – and Pettix was, I think, at least on the roster. A uh, really big body guy, never really kind of got going. Uh, and then there's another guy that didn't come out of the fall that's in the tra- – a couple guys that are in the transfer portal that never were on the roster. <clears throat> but, yeah, no, not losing a ton of arms. And I think you got some projectable dudes like I think Beckel and Kyle Robinson, and I think Hampton uh, figures in big for you, Molina. Um, and you've actually—I wonder if you got a pipeline because you got another guy coming from Trabuco Hills High School in Rancho Santa Margarita, California. That's fun to say. He's a JUCO, <laughs> yeah, Francisco. Um, this guy's a JUCO transfer, but he, not a pitcher. He's an infielder. But I just noticed the connection. Uh, what about uh, Austin Becker, who I believe would be eligible to leave through the draft? And he's the kind of guy who has the stuff that you take a dart with in the 18th round. 
Do you think he? Because uh, you love. I mean, you love to have all of them back to compete for you know bullpen spaces. Yeah, but you got twenty six dudes in a recruiting class right now, and and a whole bunch more on the team. Actually, yeah. with with um, with JUCO transfers, you've got thirty two guys in a recruiting class and thirty five roster spots. You know, so you're gonna have some. You know, there's gonna have to be some trimming in right. multiple places. So. And we always see it. We'll see. We'll we'll end up with a list of, um, you know, ten or more that don't come or don't make it through the fall. Um, and you got some transfers that'll go. You know, it, it's just the nature of the deal. Becker, right. I love him. Um, he's one of the most intimidating people on the team, in my opinion. He is massive. He's six five two fifteen. He's an extremely deep, rumbling voice. Um, he's calm. And he'll just tell you flat out his goals. Like he wants to pitch in he wants to pitch in pro baseball. I mean, he wants to be at the MLB level. Um, I do think we need to remember that he was coming off a of TJ this year. Uh, yep. But in fairness, strikes have been a, a problem over the career a little bit. And I think we he had some good ones this year. He had some good outings, and he had some a little bit rougher. I think he looked better. Uh, but he needs a year to develop. In my opinion, I think that a year would do him good. He's a redshirt sophomore. There's still plenty of time for him. Uh, I'd love to have him back. You know, I think that I think that he brings a lot of projectability and physically. But you're right; it's a, a kind of guy with that physical makeup and that arm speed. Yeah. Somebody could look. Well, and if you could develop him into a closer role, oh. where he's just coming out throwing the fastball and not messing around with anything else, and then throwing the hammer curve, yeah, like. That's pretty, pretty salty. He's the guy that you really wanted McMillan to be, but McMillan yes. wanted to start. You know. Yes. Um, I mean, you could you could have a situation if one of these dudes would own it, um, and I think that you could have a situation where one of those guys could set records. You know, in saves like they come out and do huge and like build your stock from that if you're yeah. willing to do it. You know, um, I'm not saying they're going to be throwing 106, but It'd be pretty sweet, you know, to have a guy that wants to own that spot. It would. Uh, of course, you make a lot of these decisions in the summer. You know what else you can do in the summer? You can send your kids to Code Ninjas. Code Ninjas teaches kids ages 5 through 14 how to level up their coding STEM and engineering skills in a fun, hands-on environment. In addition to their year-round programs, kids learn to code by creating video games, Code Ninjas is now enrolling for week-long summer camps. These kids already love – oh, they use technology that your kids already love, like Legos, Minecraft, Roblox, to expand their skills, creativity, and confidence. They can build a game controller out of a banana, Keith. Gambling Gaucho's listeners can use Gauchos at checkout for $10 off any summer camp at the Code Ninjas Lubbock location. Call them at 806 370 Double zero twenty two, or check out all their great programs at codeninjas.com. You stumbled there. You were reading that? It was so natural. You ever you ever build a game controller out of a banana key? <laughs> I think that that stuff is cool. I don't know how to code, but as part of my real job, I buy stuff for those kind of things all the time for teachers and kids, and I think it's awesome. And uh, the dude that, that owns Code Ninja is a great guy. And yes, I mean, he is. it's a great place to... To, for some kids to get some really cool experiences over the summer. 
All right. Any other names specifically that you want to get? Everybody could have seen your face just now. <laughs> I was having a mental pretzel to get back to where we were. <laughs> yeah. I always let Kyle read the uh, promos. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I I read a lot for my job, and yeah. I have to read out loud a lot for my job. Obviously, I'm on the radio, and I read news on KFYO. It, believe it or not, that's not live. <laughs> I record those beforehand. It's not live news. Uh, sorry to shatter the illusion for most yeah, of you. Peeling back the curtain here. It takes about 17 minutes for me to record a two and a half minute broadcast. Oh. <laughs> I cannot read out loud. Oh, man. I have to like. I, just, them I enjoy listening to Kyle learn on the podcast how to work his way into a segue. It's one yeah. of my favorite things y'all do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if I've missed anybody. I think I've, we have also, I've also appreciated um, the constant every episode shout outs of Red Raider Dugout. Yes. Yeah. Well, whole year, well we, you know, we talk tech baseball. Why would we go to anyone else for information but Red Raider Dugout? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Since April, really. Oh, All right. Uh, any other like spotlights you want to give, um, whether it's a recruit or – Maybe a, a player you think can break out next year. Uh, is Hudson White due for an Eric Gutierrez career? Uh, because he started every game his freshman year, was freshman of the year, um, freshman All-American. You kind of see some similarities there. He's legit. The kid is legit. Does he – Does he Jordan Washburn, Washburn, to be honest. Yeah, but they both are. Yep. They both should have been freshman All-Americans. Yep. But you have uh, Hudson White who started 0 for 22. Pretty close. 0 for, yeah, 21, 22. If you cut, now we'd have to do some math here. But if you cut the 0 for 22, I wonder what is, I wonder what his, uh, like if you just started his season at the first at bat, I wonder what his batting average would have been. Because... He was one for 20. One for a oh, one for 20 start. That's not good. Keith. Actually two for 24. You could get to that. I mean, there was times really when it was like, okay, how long are we going to let this freshman catcher play? <laughs> like, is there no one else who can play first base and just put Stillwell behind the dish? Like what's going on? And then when he came on, he came on. He did. Yep. Just took him a while to see it. Whatever it was. I mean, he's a, he's a guy who could hit 350 next year. I said in the fall um, that I felt like Hudson White was kind of defensively year two Bracks um, and offensively year three Bracks, Braxton Fulford. And and I think we saw that. I mean, once he got going, you know, he's he's just a little further ahead than Braxton was coming out of Monterey, which bodes well. You know, you're not going to have him for four years, um, but you're going to have a couple really good ones, you know, two or three. So – yeah, I think he could have a great year. And it's always a fun exercise, and it's hard to know because you don't know the lineup right now, and there's so many new faces coming. You know, how many right. guys, how many double-digit home run guys are you going to have? You know, that kind of stuff. I always like those kind of exercises. Because this year you had three. And one of them was Parker Kelly. Which I don't think anybody uh, saw. on their bingo card. Okay, one more thing I did want to talk about. Uh, and it's kind of a philosophical question. And I know uh, as a, a fellow lover of philosoph- philos- philos- philosophy, philosophy. Well, that was, 
I mixed up my syllables there. <laughs> uh, the wrong emphasis on the wrong. Yeah, the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Uh, <laughs> scheduling. Scheduling an RPI. Mm-hmm. We talked about, oh, what if you would have beaten TCU? Okay. Let's say you do beat TCU a game and you beat OU one more time. Yeah. Aren't you just TCU and not hosting still? Probably. I agree. Okay. With you, I agreed with you guys that we were further away. Texas Tech was further away from hosting than I think we thought. Yeah. I agree with you. I do think because you're Texas Tech and Jim Sloshnagel has gone from TCU, so you're not TCU anymore at yes. their eyes. I th- And you had him in the room. You had Kirby in the room. I think if you'd won the Big 12, did what you did or a game better in the tournament, you probably get in as far as I and you were And you were ranked. Yes. Highly ranked, yes. Highly ranked. Yes. So they they had the cover. You have to have yeah. like the committee has to have cover. You know, I mean, uh, if twenty two RPI A and M could have been the five because Jim Sloshnagel. Yeah, I think thirty two Texas Tech could have been the sixteen. It would not have been unprecedented, but it would have been rare, very rare. One year, yeah, that's happened. Okay, back to my question. So Merrimack, you Merrimack, that can't happen. Okay, so let me tell you about Merrimack. Play Kent State and Merrimack both. Let let me tell you about Merrimack. Just okay. So (laughs) Merrimack lost their coach, and I'm not saying they were going to come beat you, but I think they were going to be more competitive than they were. Okay. Um, They lost their coach in in December, and he took the pitching staff with him, and so I think that you ended up with a team that was (laughs) way down from what you originally scheduled. I think that is right. part of what happened. Um, well, and, and Iowa was not as good as you thought they would be. Correct. And you lost a Mississippi game. State, Mississippi State, uh, coming off a national championship season. Yeah, you, not split, help it. Your RPI. you, you split, split it with it. Mississippi State, and they don't even make their own conference tournament. You split with both of those teams, and you, sh- frankly, you shouldn't have. But I think maybe Texas Tech wasn't everything that we wanted them to be at times this year, too. We, we've talked about that. Yeah. I mean, but there's the no. It's not built for you to host. If RPI is the only thing that matters, which it seemed like it was this year. I mean, if you had, it, it was you definitely could have hosted if you just took care of business. I mean, if you had not lost to New Mexico, if you not lost to New Mexico, if you'd split with Grand Canyon and you hadn't lost to ACU, you're fine. Yeah, losing the Big Twelve now. It's just a razor thin wire you're having to walk. Yeah, but you're also there's some regional stuck to that too. Like you can't take a cross country trip or expect somebody else to every midweek. So you're kind of stuck to New Mexico. Some um, AC maybe not quite as much, but New Mexico. I love playing Grand Canyon. Would love to get them to Lubbock. I sure as heck don't want to go play there and have to watch that on TV again. That was an awful experience. I would love a, a weekend series against Grand Canyon. Get three of them in Lubbock. I think that'd be if cool. Do that early. I would. I, wouldn't you rather do that than Merrimack? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I mean, give me last year's schedule. Like, give me the four game against UConn. You know, who's and last year? This was coming. Like, there's yeah. no question that them being in a super that was coming. And can yeah. you believe Texas State was a Levi Wells away from hosting UConn? To go to Omaha. Why? Texas State and UConn. And it was Levi Wells that stood between them. 
anyway, that just blows my mind. Like that's that shows you why. I mean, that's why you love baseball because those things can happen. But um, yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I don't want Merrimack. And to be clear, Grand Canyon Stadium was not that dark. Their cameras struggled. <laughs> Their stadium was well lit. I got a picture of it. I was like, okay, this is somebody sent me a picture. Like this is well lit. It, and they apparently told some of our broadcast guys, they're like, we can't figure it out. Our TV guys cannot get the lighting into work. And it was well, open up your embouchure, guys. It was, yeah, it was kind of your embouchure. Yeah, the, the shutter speed. <laughs> no, it's a band term as well, but yeah, yeah, that I don't think that's cross. I don't think that crosses industries. I think embouchure. Is the old is where you hold your instrument with your mouth? I don't think it's another thing. What's the term I'm looking for? Um, your yes. your f stop. The embouchure is how uh, tight your lips are, right? Rob is making <laughs> Rob is making a sphincter with his fingers right now. <laughs> yes, your is how tight your lips is how you you hold your mouth with the mouth. Hey, you were uh, you were a going band. I was in going band. Uh, what uh, this is uh, getting to know the Gauchos with Keith Patrick? Yeah. What instrument did you play? Clarinet. Okay. Clarinet. That was brass. I know. You're a oh. woodwind. I was. Nobody can hear us, so just have a good time. <laughs> My freshman year, our, our section shirt said, play loud. Nobody can hear us anyway. <laughs> 400 people out there. We play clarinet. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, oh, back to the schedule. Yeah. You, I, I, I think they'll be a little more intentional, but I'm not saying they scheduled – like garbage, they they kind of scheduled the way they have the their formula just kind of blew up in their face a little bit this year. I mean, and it was right. and you're sure. you're banking on teams playing. I mean, remember the year we had South Al? And you're like, why are we playing these bozos? You know, but then they come yeah. in and they're not terrible. And then yeah. you played uh, was it Northeastern? North. I, I would also. I mean, why yeah, are you like playing two RPI Mexico, when they came? Why are you, Why are you playing New Mexico instead of Texas State? What, like, why does that regional not that regional bias not uh, mm, play in there? That's fair, because they're playing other Texas teams. Because they, they'd rather play Texas. I don't know. I don't know. I just I would like to punt New Mexico into the sun. <laughs> I agree. Unless you're playing them in Midland, because that's kind of cool. I agree with that, and and also a fair point about New Mexico, especially that last game. It's one of the most offensive ballparks in in, in NCAA baseball. Yes. And that's coming from people that play at Texas Tech. Like, it is incredibly offensive. And if you're in a situation like you were in, where you're coming off four in a row and your pitching is hurting and you're injured and you cancel your Monday game because of that and you go Johnny Allstaff, you don't want to be there. You just don't. It's just a bad situation and that's what happened. But. Speaking of bad situations, if you have one come up. Barnett, Howard, and Williams is a law firm that was started by three Texas Tech grads. Their offices are in Fort Worth, but they handle cases all across Texas. They're one of one. They're one of the only law firms in Texas that is certified for Title IX student representation. They've defended students, including scholarship athletes, and Title IX litigation at all of the major universities in Texas. They also handle catastrophic injury cases across the state. And for our listeners in the Fort Worth area. They handle criminal defense and family law matters. The law firm of Barnett, Howard, and Williams hopes you never need them. But if you do, they're there for you. You can find out more at Barnett, Howard, and Williams. 
by visiting their website, bhwlawfirm.com. Six Texas Tech degrees between those dudes. That's right. That's impressive. I could have gotten six degrees in as long as I was at Texas Tech, I think. I probably could have done similar, but no, no. Not at Texas Tech. Go Shaps. Yeah, yeah. Did you go there because you love meat, meatloaf? No, no. I went there because uh, I got half price. Oh, there you go. Little family discount. Yeah, Dad worked at uh, the high school. It's kind of a combo deal there. Nice. They're not affiliated. They don't want to be affiliated, but they give discounts all over the place. So, all right. Anyways, <laughs> get another gotchos. Um. Final thoughts, I guess. And the schedule, look, the schedule is what it is. You can only put a schedule together and hope that they do what you want them to do. Like, you cannot control how bad Keith State is. You can't control what some of these teams do. I mean, Dallas Baptist had a winning record against Big 12 teams this year. Yeah, but could hardly compete in their own conference. Because they were starting all their good players on the, on the yeah, that's day. what happens when you pitch backwards, all the way backwards. Not like oh, we're gonna throw our ace on Saturday and not Friday. No, you're gonna throw them on Tuesday. I'm on Tuesday against Oklahoma and Norman. There's something we need to talk about: the RPI. And it's a broken system because the schedule shouldn't matter if you're if you're a 40 win team, a game out of your conference or a conference champion, you should be hosting instead of Georgia Southern. Yes. Like TCU should have hosted. OU should have hosted. OU should have hosted. Yep. NC State should have been in. I mean, there's Notre Dame should have hosted. And, yeah, so, do, do, and, and here's my problem. Care, why do we care about these small schools, man? I think it's the same in basketball. Cut 100 schools out of what you're doing for the postseason. Yeah, but then you don't have like a college of Charleston winning it all. You know? They're in the top 200. Oh, I see what you're saying. You still have the Sun Belt. You still have the WAC. You're saying get rid of Binghamton. Yes. What are they going to do with their $60 million ballpark? I don't care. <laughs> I don't give a damn about Binghamton. Oh, I would love it. You also could. just wouldn't be playing them, and it wouldn't wreck. You wouldn't have a 257 RPI. I would love if they the uh, if they got rid of the Mercer Bears just so that maybe like the 11.7 guys would just go away. Yeah. I would be into that. (laughs) No, I think the RPI deal, you're applying a basketball system to baseball. It just doesn't work. And then the problem is, it is the process. And anybody that argues and says, well, it's not just RPI. Okay, what else do they look at? Conference record, allegedly. Conference record, okay. And then what do they look at? Record against top, RPI top 25, 50, and 100. You know, they, they do quadrants just on their own without them actually being quad named. Well, it's all RPI, you know. So, and they also look at the name of the head coach. Yep. And how well you're going to host, even though they won't admit it. Um, no, 100% that plays into it. You shouldn't have been a national seed last year if you're talking about Texas Tech. No, no. According to RPI. Notre Dame should have been pissed about that. And maybe that's why they took it out on you this year. But like Notre Dame, they got hammered this year because they lost a bunch of games early. Well, they're yeah. a northern school. Now they didn't they weren't all canceled for that, but a lot were. The my buddy, the the committee chairman, who's from Army, 
I believe, was not happy about those cancellations. Not, I thought you said my buddy. My buddy. Mark Buddy, who was the right. committee chairman, the selection committee. Yeah. Not happy about like the RPI cancellations. Well, apparently it didn't bother him that much because AM was a top five. Yeah. And then when they asked him about that, he was like, well, you know, there's a personal process we also go through. It's like, what? What does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. Personal process. Uh, like, it's not all RPI. So they got to do, they said they're going to make an adjustment. I'll believe it when I see it. It's just every year we go through the whole thing. You look at all this stuff. You make your case, especially if you're a homer and you're like, oh, here's all the reasons we should get to do this thing or that thing. Or we're thinking like this year, oh, you know, take care of a couple pieces of business here and you're back in the hosting conversation. Even if you are a 30, you know, nope, RPI, period, just RPI. But we're going to shove Georgia Southern down your throat because people have been on us all year about them. They won 40. So, I don't know. It's an imperfect system, but I do love the sport. If your budget is imperfect, <laughs> you can call Diversified Lenders. Uh, they're a closely knit family-owned business. Former Red Raiders as well, Cole Roberts and his dad. We know the struggles of customers that they regularly face. This uh, Diversified Lenders Company started in 1986 as a one-person finance brokerage, so they also know the struggles of the customers as well. They specialize in creative financing, like equipment leasing and accounts receivable-based lending. If you need to pay, pay your employees, call Diversified Lenders. They do factor invoice purchasing, asset-based lending, government finance and leasing. They do it all. Find out more at diversifiedlenders.com. Well done. Nailed that. Now that segue might have been a little rough. <laughs> We're running out of time. Though. You got to sell it. You can't laugh your way through it. <laughs> well, that was... Again, I usually hit the uh, segue and then get to back off the mic and laugh and make Kyle read them. So, <laughs> um, I don't know what else to talk about, Rob. Yeah, I think we're good. I mean, final thoughts. We could probably talk for another hour on Dan Law Field, but I think uh, that's another a podcast episode that we can do. No doubt. And we can do some recruiting stuff together. Um, but I can tell you, I see 32 in the class along with JUCOs. And to put Red Raiders' mind at ease, currently the high school recruiting class is ranked number six in the country, uh, which would be the highest it's ever been for Tim Tadlock if it held there. Numbers are a part of that right now. And the JUCO class was number three. Uh, New Mexico Player of the Year pitcher. Is he getting drafted? Who was that? Uh, remind me. Of the I name. do not remember his name. I just remember that he blew up on uh, Twitter last week. I saw week. that. Uh, Nolan Perry? Yes. Uh, he is not graded by perfect game. Gatorade Player of the Year in New Mexico, which, as a comparison, Owen Washburn, Gatorade Player of the Year in Wisconsin. Um Canson. What with Canson? Yeah. All right. So he's not a top two. I was looking on MLB, not a top 200 guy. So I wouldn't think. Um, but more pub you get, more dudes start, more they start coming looking for you. Right. Pro ball and other colleges. So the relationships still matter. Um, the draft next week? Uh, it's in July. Oh, it's in two weeks now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they moved it all the way back. I believe so. Yeah. They did. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, because it's not in any way connected to Omaha. 
Right. Because Major League Baseball is stupid. July 17th through 19th. Well, they did it there before. I mean, they're, they're, that's been the, that had been the plan. I think it was COVID right. year they were moving it there, if I remember right. July 17th through 19th. They're all there. All the best guys are there that are getting drafted. Well, and I always hate it when you're like in a deciding super game and, and some guy gets drafted and you're like, this, it's crazy, but the moment could be better for yeah. everybody if you did this differently. Yeah. So, and you could get more eyeballs on your draft because nobody watches it because it's web streamed and it's 20 rounds. So get yourself some eyeballs. Yeah. But it was cool that they moved a, an MLB game to. TD Ameritrade. It's been changed to Charles Schwab now, but yeah. uh, a couple years ago, I hope they can get back to that. That was always fun. The Little League game was always fun there at uh, in where do they play the Little League World Series? Harrisburg? Yep. Is that it? I think so. Don't they retrofit that park and play a major league game there? Oh, I don't know. I don't know about I think that. The Reds and the Pirates or something. I really wanted to go to the. Um, I really wanted to go to the the Field of Dreams game. That is awesome. I hope they do that every year. I think they're going to keep doing it. I, I want mean, to go. why build that park if you're not going to? Yeah, I, mean, I just thought the the spectacle they made of it was really cool. I thought really they did a good cool. job. Williamsport. Williamsport. Yeah, yeah. I knew I was wrong, but and also college baseball. Whoever does it, I think it's the Omaha. I think it's like the Omaha group that does the College World Series stuff. Um, they need to bring back the home run derby. Yes, that was fun. Yep. See, just take a week after everything's done. People are there. Really before. I don't know. Oh, yeah, the weekend before. Do the draft. Every time I've gone, it's like, if you stay, if you go to the first weekend and you stay and ride with your team, you're that is pissed. true. It is. <laughs> that is true. You're physically tired. The week before, I mean, it. it's a little bit. Uh, and they've condensed everyone. it. They've condensed the series a little bit now. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, uh, let's do this. Let's you, me, and Kyle get back together in July after the draft. Reassess the recruiting class and uh, – Maybe take a, a little bit longer of a breather and come back and maybe put some lineups together and that kind of stuff. That'd be fun. Yeah. It's never too early. At the end of the day, not I'm trying not to be disappointed. Right. I think we're all feeling disappointed, but in the grand scheme, in the what was Kyle's thing? You know, look at your look at your sports fandom in, in chunks. Yeah. You know, if I look at five and ten year chunks, I get it. You know, and I've been a fan of this team for a long time. And before Tim Tadlock came, you had made the postseason since 04. And so I'm trying to, you know, at, the momentum will be back, you know, but I do think that they face some challenges. A, a lot of the fans that were upset about this year were just flat out were not fans in the Dan, Dan Spencer era. No. Because if you were. You would be on your knees thanking Tim Tadlock <laughs> that a down year is a regional finalist game out of Big 12 championship. Like, this was a great year if you're t- if you're talking the history of tech baseball. Yeah. This is probably a top 20 year of the program in the history of the program. 
Yep. It's the second worst year generally in the in Tadlock era, but still yep. a top 20 year. That tells you the success. Yep. By the way, so, there is one celebration from this year. The idiot that kept DMing both of our podcast accounts or yep. my web account finally blocked us all. So thank God Good. for that. I hope you're listening. You sucked. It was not fun. I did not no. enjoy it. Um, you can take your negativity and go put it out for the world. You, you're a coward. Plain and simple. Yeah, blocked account thinking he has free reign to the three of us just to be an ass. Yes. Like, yeah. maybe you're a wonderful person to hang out with. Like, I hope that's true. But, like, I did not enjoy that. Sorry. No. Did not. No, I didn't either. And I think we all got to the point that we we're we're glad you've moved on. There's other podcasts to listen to. I do not miss that guy. No. <laughs> and, and, and speaking of that guy, I don't miss any of you. Hopefully it wasn't great Gambling Gaucho's listeners. I don't miss any of you saying you want to fire Matt Gardner. I don't. I, I disagree with you. Yeah. I think that the resume speaks for itself. I think that you've had three MLB guys this year at the same time at one point. Yes, um, they're, all, they're all up right now. Here's a fun stat. Hey, Davis Martin's starting against uh, the Rangers tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's cool. uh, in, in Chicago. I knew he had hung. I knew he had not come down. So that's yes. great. Uh, starting tomorrow in Chicago against the Rangers. Cool. Caleb Killian did come back down, which was expected. Oh, Huh? Did he this after this weekend start? Yeah. And so if in case anybody didn't know, Killian and Davis Martin got starts in doubleheaders. You get an extra pitcher during a doubleheader in the MLB. And so they both came immediately back down. But Davis Martin got another start and has stayed. And then Parker Mashinsky is was put on the injured list for some elbow discomfort, but he was not sent down for it. So he's hang he's hanging up on the injured list right now. But all that to say. You've had a national pitcher of the year. You had these dudes do what they did in the regional. I mean, the guy's producing, and this isn't this isn't football. You don't have a bad game and turn around and say, fire the pitching coach, like you say, fire the defensive coordinator, which is also ridiculous. Um, at the end of the day, yeah, take it easy. <laughs> Rob's like, this is like my whole deal. <laughs> no, I just I that kind of that wore me out this year, and I understand the frustration, I truly do. Um, but there's no reality to it in, in my mind. And now three years down the road and you're not doing anything and there's, and there's obvious struggle after struggle after struggle, or you're not getting guys or whatever. Fine. Have a conversation like that. But one year, halfway through the season, come on. But it's like back-to-back shutouts on Friday, Saturday, where you look all world and then you struggle on Sunday and it's like, this guy sucks. Get him out of here. What's he even like, doing? <laughs> Watch the first two games of the series. Yeah. Like he was like after Hampton couldn't get an out against West Virginia. And it's like, why can't we? You just have back-to-back complete games and people are trying to fire the pitching coach. Yeah. It's just nuts. Back-to-back complete games, a doubleheader. Oh, I know what stat I was going to say. There's a little little nugget for you. This is our second hour being Texas Tech's second most prolific year in the MLB. So only one other year. You're tied with 2002 for three MLB MLB debuts in the same season. Only 2013 had more. There was four. 
2002. You want to uh, guess? Clint Bryant. Hold on. Get my list. Okay. So you're saying there was two in, in 2002? No, there was three. Just like this. Okay. You got it? I Clint Bryant? No, I Josh Bard? No, I don't have it. Hold on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you just had it like up in a... All right, hit me. Clint Bryant? Nope. Okay. Josh Bard? Yes. I'll guess Stubby Clap? Yes. Uh, no, he was 01. Um, I don't, uh, go ahead. Tell me who else. Josh Bard. I'll go in order. Uh, okay. Chronological order. Travis Driscoll in April. Travis Driscoll. Josh Bard in August. Trey Lunsford in September. Would not have gotten Trey Lunsford. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, not Clint Bryant. Clint Bryant never made an MLB debut. Oh, did he? Okay. Mm-hmm. Nope. But Texas 33. 33 guys have been in the MLB over the history. Who's next? Young? Probably. I mean, hopefully. So if, so if Young debuts in September, let's just say he has enormous progress and the Rangers are in a position to bring him up. Yep. That would be four and that would be the record? It would tie the record. 13 also had four. 13. 2013. You want to guess those? Those you, Roger, know, you know all those names. Roger Kieschnick. Yep. Um, he was third. Uh, the kid from Estacado. AJ Ramos. 2012. Damn it. <laughs> uh, Chad Bennett. Yes. Josh okay. Tomlin. Um, Tom, well, he was Tom. he was earlier, 2010. He's had a long uh, time in the league. Kishnik. Dallas Braden was before that, long before. He ever DM you guys back? No. He followed me. Oh, I was upset. Oh, did he? Yeah. Well, maybe he has an idea with you, and then uh, we can just be byproduct. Who else? Uh, Colt Hines. Okay. And Nate Carnes. Nate Carnes. I should have had that one. Yeah. I knew you would know that one. Yeah, Nate Carnes. Uh, you can, of course, follow Red Raiders and the Pros at redraiderdugout.com. We f- keep up with all the Red Raiders in the Pros. Multiple guys in AAA right now. A few. Up and down. What about a guy like Tyler Nesloni with the White Sox? Are they injury-prone enough to maybe... Toss him up for a weekend. It's kind of a lifetime achievement there. I mean, obviously, he hadn't been in that system long, but he is raking in Double A right now, and but he's twenty eight, and so the clock's ticking. I mean, I think he could absolutely be, you know, a fifth outfielder in the MLB. You know, no doubt. It's cool. just give him the shot. Unfortunately, he's also in a loaded system. Yeah, and so I mean, or for a loaded team, so. I hope he gets a shot. I mean, I'm pulling for him because he's hung around and really tried to make it work. And if y'all don't know, he moved from the Cardinals. Braves. The Braves, that's right. From the Braves organization to the White Sox. Um, but, yeah, I'm hoping. Um, 
And then Gabe Holtz in double A. Gabe Holtz in double A. Um, so is Tyler Floyd. Um, Ty Dameron. What's that? Same team, Floyd and Gable. Yep, still with the Biloxi Shuckers. Um, I would think, and and he's had an injury this year. Um, not an arm, like not like a throwing injury. Uh, Jose Cazada, he was up and down AAA and AA. Uh, he's in the Padres organization, so some shots for him in the fairly near future. I would think, not this year probably, but next season. Um, I can't imagine Josh gets a chance this year. No, I don't think so. Not, not able to rehab. What I really hope for is that Zach Davis gets a chance. Um, he continues. He he's been in AAA with the Iowa Cubs for a long time. Um, kind of like a tech. Pinch runner, defense, some of that stuff. Still not really swinging it. Uh, they tried to turn him into a into a switch hitter at one point. He's just put in the work, you know. Here's a bonus for Zach Davis. The and and Caleb Killian, the Cubs are not good. <laughs> so, so I mean, they have some young guys. Uh, one of their best players, I do not remember his name. Twenty-two uh, year old outfielder, I don't remember. Anyways, he's up. He's their best player. You might just see a full on. Let's start trading fire cell and kind of a restart. And at that point, Killian starting every every five days for the Cubs. I mean, he's their top pitching prospect, yeah? Yep. One of them. Yep. So, How about Frazier? No, it was uh, – who, uh, who else is on the Cubs lineup? Uh, I don't know. I'm looking. Anyways. Yeah, live, the point live is – coverage of me looking this up. Yeah, they're not good. <laughs> they're not good. Uh, uh, Morel. Oh, Morel. Christopher Morel, yeah. They've got Nick Madrigal at second base. That's pretty cool. He was a good college player. For Oregon State? Question mark? Yeah. Uh, that's the White Sox, though. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Sorry. What about the Cubs? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, lots of, uh, lots of college baseball. If you're a college baseball fan and you – have been if you're listening to the podcast certainly uh, an hour and a half into it. No wait, <laughs> hold on a second. Man. Stop correcting me. Nick Madrigal is the second baseman for the Cubs. Did he get traded? He played for the White Sox last year. I did not know he moved to the Cubs. Yeah. Well, kudos to you. Yeah. There you what? go. I mean, cross town move. I did not know that. Yeah. Anyways, okay. Well. Good for Nick Madrigal. <laughs> Who cares? I mean, I if, you're cares. A big college, if you're a big college baseball fan, uh, Pete Alonzo, you know, um, Jonathan India for the Reds, getting some splash. Yep. Um, a lot of arms, obviously. Still getting. I wish he was still getting gunned down by Tyler Nesloni. Yeah. Uh, Brady Singer for the uh, Royals, having a good year. Obviously, uh, Texas Tech beat them in Omaha. With Brady Singer. Who's up for the Reds? Um, a cup former college player. Uh, Jonathan India. Is India at the Reds? That, that's who it was. Oh, yeah. I mean, there could be more. Uh, I just remember India getting gunned gun down, as you said, by Nesloni. Yes. Glorious. Great memory. He was young, but a great call. Yeah. Great call. Yeah. 
How pumped did you get on the Tim Tadlock opening presser cut that they did uh, right after the season ended? Did oh, you see that? It was so good. Dude, the hair on my arms and back of my neck. Nobody, nobody can ever forget. He's no longer in TV. Nobody can ever forget that David Collier is the one that asked him in Omaha and made him cry. When he yeah. said, do you remember your opening press conference? He's like, come on, man. <laughs> um, you know what we didn't talk about? J-Bob's ejection. Yeah. Okay, so seven-game suspension. They're appealing that, right? God, I hope so. It's not going to change, but I hope they got to – got to fight back. I mean, it's not going to change? I would be surprised. When does the NCAA ever do anything rational? The umpire jumped at J-Bob oh, yeah. and immediately pointed at him and said, that's four games. That's four. You don't. You shouldn't have intent if you're an umpire to induce an injection and a suspension. I don't think you should have, while being also caught up in the emotions of the moment, the opportunity to make calls like that. It just doesn't He's, make well, any sense. That guy's not the one that suspended him. He just knew it was going to be a four-game suspension because there was "quote unquote" contact. No, you can. They no. The, no, I don't think he gave the four in that moment. He was given the two for extended arguing, at least. Was he? I you hey, see, his you can give the two. A, you can give the two. I'm, on a, I'm a lip reader, right? Okay. It looked like he was saying that's four games, John Bro. And it's like, what are, you, what are we doing? Yeah, I should do a break it a breakdown. <laughs> John Bro breakdown. I can just say that I'm confident. Um, and I don't know if they're appealing or not. I truly don't. But I'm confident that J-Bob doesn't care about that suspension at all. I'm no. telling you. Because what he cares about is his, is those kids. And you're, I, not, you're not going to Arlington next year. Uh, will you be in Houston next year? Houston, I'm pretty sure. And that's not uh, that's not in the first week. That might be the second. You he might miss the Houston trip, but obviously we don't have a schedule yet. It's not going to be it's not going to be anything that he misses. That well, Houston's not till um, March this year. Oh, good. So it's a little later. Um, good. So you got a couple. Um. If he's looking, I mean, if, if they're looking for games, uh, and if you open with a four game, which you have in previous years, he's probably right. back by second game of the second weekend. If you do a two, you do a two day midweek, see ya. We're here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just I think that I think that's one of those deals where at some point they looked at each other and he said, "I got this." You know, and you just got to. Yeah. The, and the, the officiating was just garbage in the, in that in that regional, but also throughout college baseball looked bad this weekend in many ways because um, of just some stupid calls, terrible and misreplay. The guy from ECU oh. in the line. So he's the Angel Hernandez of college baseball. Yeah, Perry Costello or whatever yep. his name is. And he gets the he gets the series every year. And he's that guy every year. It it's never ends. It never ends. Yeah, pushing the guy. I mean, who spent a second watching a home run? Second and a half. I mean, come on. Well, there was a lengthy uh, ass kicking chicken trot down first base and a throw into the dugout, a bat throw into the dugout. 
earlier in the regional. God. How about the um, interference call late in the game Monday? Did you see that one at first base? Okay. Okay. I, I think that was the right call. Really? Yes. Because he veered into the – he did not get called for interference at the base. He was called for interference five feet before the base because he was inside the line. Both of his feet were running inside the baseline. That's interference. Okay. I just like the. It looks really bad though because oh. the, the first baseman ran him over. The problem is there's. And he was a little guy. The problem was there was no chance at the play. No. It, it was kind of like it was kind of like the interference call on on Parker Kelly when Cody Masters was obviously going to be safe. Like Tim Tadlock yeah. said, the fastest sixty in the history of the program. Yeah. Nobody was going to throw him out, so it makes it sting even more, you know, in that one. But there was just some bad looks like that. And, like, that well, and the missed replay. It was late. It was late that they did that interference call at first base. It looked – it was it, – they had poor mechanics. Yeah, you had a safe call at the, at yes. the base. I like yeah. the immediate call for the double bases, the double first base. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we could talk all night, Rob. Yeah, but I want dinner. Or where do they find you on uh, Twitter and stuff? At Red Raider Dugout on Twitter. I'm on Facebook too. I'm also on the Gram, which I'm not any good at using, but it is there. Red Raider Dugout, and uh, of course, RedRaiderDugout.com. We've got try to cover this team all season. Game recaps. Um, I write some columns here and there. Just wrote one about J. Bob's ejection specifically. Uh, Great one. Thank you. Uh, we run uh, Red Raiders and the Pros is a big part of it. We'll have some recruiting stuff coming up soon. I also have a plan that I want to execute. I'll, I'll just announce it here. Now I'm going to have to do it. I want to make this the uh, the home of the history of the Texas Tech hecklers. So we might get some cool stuff. Awesome. Pull it out of the archives, of the old heckler glory days, and get some stuff on awesome. there. But I think there'll be some cool things with that. But, uh, yeah, RedRaiderDugout.com. And I just want to say I appreciate everybody their support of my little niche thing that I do here for baseball. And I really love it. And I'm sorry that Dinger Derby has been a little quiet this year, but the website's taken up a lot of time and my five-year-old. So we'll work to, we'll work to get it back. You seem to find a co-host. I do. Yeah. We'll find you a booker. We'll find you one in a booker, a guest booker. (laughs) A guest booker. Well, thanks for having me on, man. Enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoyed, enjoy talking to you. Always do. Uh, you were a, a one of the first guests the Rob Bro Show ever had. Really? Yeah. Well, one of the first guest hosts. Oh, I when you yeah, asked, I remember when you asked me, but I figured it. You know, it was just fill in because you and Mike. No, I was. Uh, that was fairly new into the thing. Yeah. Oh. Well, there you go. Oh. I usually just went solo, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was terrified. I used to having the crutch of Carson around, and then oh, uh, Carson. Carson says lots of words. I love him. He does, man. He takes up some time. You you get some breaths when Carson's around. I so I've recently I realized that I know Carson's sister. Yeah, and she's great, great person. Yeah, yeah it's hard to believe, right? Right. right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Camden all around. <laughs> yeah, uh, Parks and Rec uh, director now. I That's believe. right. Serving the United Way. 
Uh, I guess as Kyle would say, love y'all.